Hey everyone, Dr. Jenny here, and welcome to my videocast. Whether you're watching or listening to this, uh, I'm really glad that you are here to join me and my guest in a conversation. So I really love conversation, not just because I love to talk, and if you know me, you know I love to talk, but really I love to listen, and I love to learn new things, and I love to be challenged. And there are so few conversations that I leave where I don't learn something that I just really wanted to share this with you. So my goal is for you to be sitting down having a cup of coffee with us. We're going to get real here. We're going to talk about real things. We're going to talk about passion and performance, but really about each other and learn something new and try and figure out what the next step is. I'm all about growth. As you know, I'm all about helping other people facilitate their own growth. And the people that are joining me, I find them just extraordinary. And I hope you do too. If there are more things that you'd like to learn or people you'd love to hear from, please put them in the comments below. Let us know what you are learning, how you're being pushed and pressed, and maybe even share some of the conversations that you have as a result of joining us in this conversation. I hope you enjoy it. All right. Well, I am so excited to have <laughs> really, literally, in the true sense of the word, literally, um, two of my favorite people. Um, Meta Larson, wave, <laughs> and Florence Wetzel. So um, thank you both for being here. And um, I'm excited. I'm actually a little nervous. My heart is pounding. Um, and and, I, and I'm really excited because I think that this is going to be a, a very powerful and important conversation. And the two, the three of us have talked about this before, um, but to really talk about it for people to share, to share it with other people, that is what I'm really excited about. Um, I've been starting off these video casts by introducing my guests in a sort of a special way, and that is introducing them by how I know them and, and who you are for me. So I'll start with um, Florence. So Florence, gosh, how long have we known each other? Five or six years now? It's been, it's been a, nice, a nice chunk of time. Yeah, at least that. Yes. And, um, and we met, Meta and Florence met and then started talking about bits, actually, like bits were the reason that we know you, Florence. So this is actually perfect. But as, as I got to know her, um, not only is she also a former uh, All-American D1 swimmer, she is just like, I mean, you know, I, sometimes she'll tell me some of the things she's done. And I'm like, how is it that you're not 150 years old? Because you have done something of everything. I mean, really, like, not just jack of all trades, but just really like ace of many. Um, and her passion for horses and animals, like you go to her, her place, and it's a menagerie, right? I don't know how many cats, I don't know how many dogs, horses, chickens, 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 uh, a geese, a goose wanders onto the property and all of a sudden they have Lucy Goosey and now like whatever, a hundred geese. And it's just, you have the most open, probably the biggest heart 
I've ever encountered in one human being. I mean, you really truly are one of the most loving people that I know and your love for all creatures, great and small, really just translates to who you are, how you are and how wonderful you are to be around. You just always are looking for what's great and what's good about people and what you can do better and your stand for taking care of and protecting animals is always inspirational for me. I love hearing the stories of the difference that you make when you go around with your clinics, your bit clinics. Um, and um, I know you're going to share those with us tonight, but those are always like incredibly powerful for me because we think that maybe as one person, we don't make a difference, but the difference you make is just so obvious and that is so cool. And that is what is part of so awesome being your friend. So that's how (laughs) that is how I know, I know Florence. Um, And Meta as probably almost everyone knows is my, my partner, my wife (laughs) of 20 years. And, um, and, you know, not only do we have that, but I have an incredible, immeasurable respect for her as an equestrian professional. And I know that's sort of like supposed to be a given. And really, I've been all over the world. I've been all over the country. I've seen lots of professionals in lots of different fields. And I've seen countless, countless, countless horse professionals. And you know, I know it's easy for me to say that Meta has a way with horses, but I'm not the only one who says that. I just happen to be the one that gets to see it the most. Uh, and so it's always it's always fantastic to watch her with her horses. And since tonight's today's conversation is about bits, when she came home from meeting um, the team and being introduced to Noyashola and these bits and and this new way of conceptualizing and doing bits. Her excitement was palpable. And I'm going to ask her to share that. But um, but her stand, like all of ours, is really for the horse. Like, how do we make the world better for the horses? Because when it's better for them, it's better for us. And um, I could probably go on and on and on. And instead of going on and on and on and probably getting uh, mushy, smushy, I will just say that um, her knowledge is incredible. I feel blessed to be around it whenever I have a problem with my horse. I am the luckiest person alive (laughs) to have her. Hey, 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 you over there right next to me. Can you help me? Um, And she's just amazing. And you will get a little bit just like a snippet of that during this next hour as as we talk about um how we use our tack as one of our confidence boosters communication pieces and and how we connect with our horses um so i have how how did i do did i do okay that was good that was great thank you (laughs) yeah thank you um Thank you so for having maybe, both of us. What? Thank you for having both of us. We're excited about talking about this with you. 
Yeah, I am. I am really excited. And and the couple of conversations that we've had to prepare for this, I've almost wished that we'd been recording those because they have been so powerful. So so the like the context for tonight, the video cast has been about power, or passion, and performance, and the two of you have incredible passion for helping improve performance. But the way that you do it is different. Um, And the way that you share it is incredible. And when we started talking about the three of us having this conversation, I became excited because there's only one way that I can help a rider, an unconfident rider. But sharing you with them is another way and maybe even another way and another way and another way. So it expands this idea of how we help riders differently to the same means, right? And mean different means to the same end of, you know, we're helping the horses be better or the rider be better so that their relationship, their communication, and their ultimately their performance improves. And when we started talking about this, I got really excited. So, so where, where we're at, what we're, what, what I want to really communicate is how confidence can be affected by so many different things, but especially by the way that we think or perceive or try to control our horse. And I know that historically bits and the hardware that we put in our horse's mouths that is a direct line to control. And I've done enough clinics and seen enough riders that I know that we, we're looking at it wrong. If we're looking at the bit for control, I, I know enough to know we're looking at it wrong. But I want you guys, you two, to help us understand that. So maybe, Meta, you'll start at the beginning and just sort of share when you met these the the folks from Noya Shola, what that was like for you and why it was so important for you to become involved. Sure. Um, it was kind of by chance. I was at a trade show in Germany, probably one of the best trade shows in the world, and for other reasons. And, you know, as I walked down into the lower levels of this trade show, I saw this stand with bits and they were beautiful. And so that was the first thing that caught my attention. But as I walked in, it was like, well, everybody's got a sales pitch and like that. But I met Safras, who's the CEO still to this day of that company. And he's like explaining the science, explaining the research, explaining why they did this, how they started with the metal. And then they went to the making sure that it was anatomically correct and how they did it at quarter inch increments so that it was the right sizing. There was no stretching or shrinking bits, which is what we see a lot of in the industry. Um, And their philosophy was, let's make the best bit for the horse because the happier they are, the better they'll perform. And they really wanted to educate the riders, trainers about how the bits worked. It was more of an educational um, company than it was trying to actually sell bits. Well, I was impressed by the science because I love science. And, you know, that first meeting and I love we had like a five minute conversation and it it was just so exciting for me. I came home with a bit. I tried it on one of my horses. He was phenomenally different in this bit. Um, And I was already starting to get hooked. So I went back six months later. I met them again. I was just as impressed. And I was like, 
let me distribute for you in the United States. I had no idea what I was getting into or how to do it or what to do, but I knew that these bits were so good, they had to be here. I had to get them to the United States for people to be able to experience what I had experienced in such a short time. And it actually didn't take very long. Like we both, we got on so well and I love the team. It's Safras is the CEO, Heather is the owner and the developer. Their, uh, Graham developed the metal for the bits. Um, and then Johnny does the warehouse. And the entire team is just the best set of people to work for, work with. They all want the best for horses. And, I, you know, I, I wanted to be part of that team. And I still feel the exact same way every time I'm with them, speak to them on the phone. We collaborate on things. I still feel that. Like, this is one of the best, most important things I think I've done in my in my life career so far. And it's true. I mean, every time I remember when you came back from Germany, that first trip, how blown away you were and how excited and how you just would not stop talking about it. And, and just the difference that you felt like it could make. So, um, and I, I still feel that way. And I think that, you know, as we, as you start to speak with Florence about this and, and she really, you know, sees it on a on a daily basis all over the world, not just the United States. But you know, when I first started, I I spent a lot of time in Wellington, in trainers' barns, you know, backyard barns to the Olympians. And I was very fortunate to have great support by some of the top trainers, coaches, riders. Uh, in the dressage world here in the United States. And, you know, they were willing to listen and they were willing to try. And it didn't take very long for this to really take hold and for people to see the difference. And it has, you know, it has been getting bigger and better and bigger and better as the years go on. And we just keep designing and developing things that are good for horses. And the better it is for the horse, the more the horse wants to perform. Um, so. I'm going to keep going. It's, it's, it's been a great adventure so far. We are having a little bit of a storm. You did freeze. Your face froze, but you, we captured that wonderful audio. So I'm, I'm hoping people will just bear with us on this. You know, technology should be fabulous by 2022, but sometimes it's not. <laughs> um, Florence, you, um, maybe you'll tell the story of how you met Meta and then how you sure. got involved and why. But it's interesting that that is one of the most frequent questions that I am asked when people come to me and say, we want you to come for a clinic. How did you get involved? Hmm. And I actually came as an end user. I had done uh, what many people do. I went to Europe. Uh, I bought a very expensive horse. It get all, got off the trailer. I thought, oh my God, I bought a pony. And then I realized I couldn't ride one side of this thing. And that started literally a 10-year odyssey of trying to figure out how to ride this horse. Uh, I filled all the seven oceans with my tears and uh, went through four custom saddles, which, you know, what's it, that was some tens and tens of thousands of dollars. And I was riding down here in Florida and uh, a woman that was helping me said, oh, you know, there's this company that has a bit that, that can, it's made for what this horse does. 
And it's like, get out of here. You know, I went through these custom saddles. We had nuclear centigraphy. I had the best of the best, the best, the best, best vets, acupuncture, acupressurist communicators. I mean, I, I was no holds bar because I was going to ride this horse. And no one ever said, do you think it's what's on the end of these? And um so I went I went home immediately and I got online and I started searching for this this company and found the company and I found the bit. And then I thought, mm, okay, you've already, you know, uh, wiped out the uh, Kleenex tissue company and you've wiped out every saddle maker there is. And so I wanted to try the bit. And I called here, there, there, and everywhere. No one had it to try. And believe it or not, I happened to walk into the local Home Depot and in through the door comes a person with a new shul hat and a new shul shirt. Come on. (laughs) And she was on the phone, which is still pretty common. And um, she said, I stalked her. I did not stalk her, although I (laughs) her very closely in my field of vision. And when she got off the phone, I introduced myself and I said, you know, this is what I need. This is what my horse does. And I think this will do it. And she said, oh, yeah, sure. Here, call this number. I had no idea. I was talking to the president, Noe Shula. No idea at all. Um, I called. They were at a trade show. But when they got back, Medic came out with the bit that I'd asked for. We put the bit on. It was a curb. We put a a burdoon on. and. That horse became the horse that I always knew was there, but I could not figure out, nor can all the Olympians that I took it to and all the whoop-de-doo trainers, no one could figure out how to do it. But that combination of bits gave me a very rideable horse. It now gave me a horse that I could communicate with. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, that was when he was in, I think, um, close to, to 20 at the time. But, you know, hope springs eternal. And I rode him until he was 27 in that pair of bits. And he was just as lovely and soft and happy, finally, to do his job. And um, it was from that I thought, wow, that was so powerful that... Um, I then began to further stalk Meta and <laughs> follow her around. And I also love science. I have a science background and became aware. I also have an education background that Noya Shula is a company. It's an education company. And their avenue of education is through BITS. Mm. And and what they can bring to the rider, what they can bring to the horse is this wonderful level of communication that I think we all seek. And um, so I've spent the last, I think, six years now um, traveling all over North America, Europe, into Central America, Canada, as far as Victoria, B.C. And my favorite, favorite uh, group to work with are those that are somewhat underserved. They know there's something there about this, but they need someone to bring it to them. Mm. And they are hungry for this. And it, it is just, every time I fit a bit, it just just refills my tank. 
and gives me the energy to keep on going because it's one more horse, one more horse, one more horse and rider pair. And it's just, it's just a wonderful, uh, I feel truly blessed. It's a wonderful opportunity for, for me to be able to be able to uh, be a fit, a bit fitter. <laughs> that is awesome. See, I told you, I told you she was like that. Um, so one of, one of the things like this, the title of this is, is really, you know, between fear and control. And one of the things now I don't, when I work as a sports psychologist with someone who is a fearful or unconfident rider, I don't ask them about their tack or anything like that, because that's not my, that's not my place, but, it, but maybe, you know, both of you could share a little bit about some of the ways you've seen horses transform and how it changes them. And then I can kind of point, and you can probably point to this too, but, but the interesting thing is, is that, that like, I, I'm not a super confident rider and I'm not really an unconfident rider. I'm kind of in the middle because I just don't, I don't ride a whole lot, but I do know that the better my horse feels, the better he is, right? The more connected he, he can, I can get with him, the, the, the better he behaves. You know, I remember when I, my big horse, Coriel, when he got really hurt, he got so spooky and it just, he had never been spooky. And then when he, when his injury healed, he stopped being spooky. And I started thinking about it from a survival perspective. And I'm like, holy cow, like if he's hurt, and he's weak and he's a step slower. He's got to react a step sooner. So he was much more reactive when he was in pain than when he was out of pain. And that was a very big lesson for me to learn. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, this isn't just a crazy onion because it's always unraveling for me. But, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about horse, how horses communicate to us that they're not comfortable. Like, what do you see? I, I, you know, Florence, you said something the other day about stoicism and horses. And I thought that was really, really powerful. And so if you could share some of that, you know, like when, um, when the horse I'll said as. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, okay. So. Um, horses as prey animals like to be balanced. If they are balanced, then they don't become somebody's dinner. So horses develop a way of going that makes them feel balanced, makes them feel a little bit more secure so that they can run away. Horses like to be comfortable. So again, they develop a way of going. It may not match how we think they should go, but they develop this way of going. Then we have the rider going up there doing whatever the rider's doing to put into their mind what they think their horse should look like and how they should be balanced. So a horse develops a way of going. And then I see a lot of horses that will develop the false frame. And it is nowhere near what we really need as far as connection in order to be able to clearly communicate what we're asking for. But the horse is balanced. In their mind, they're comfortable, and maybe if they go in this false frame, you'll stop fussing. And so, so this is all in the horse's mind, right? This so this is the, all the in the horse's mind. Is the horse's balance, and the frame is the horse's frame, and the 
Okay. Uh, so he you'll, goes. You'll stop bothering me. If I go here, you'll leave me alone. Exactly. So he takes the rider out of it. And then you're not communicating because the horse has got, I'm doing pretty well here. I'm balanced and I'm, I'm, she's not fussing up there. And so then we have a trainer saying, oh, you know, you need to push the ribs over and you need to get the shoulder in. You need to get them more round and more on the vertical. And so we start doing all this stuff. And then the horse starts reacting. And then a lot of times people say, oh, he's throwing his head up. He's getting behind the vertical. He's pushing through his shoulders. He's falling out. He's stepping wide. He's doing all this because he, in his mind, he was he was going the way we asked him to go and, and, and in his own comfort zone. So um, horses are very, very stoic. And um, a lot of what I see is people's, um, people's efforts to improve their avenue of communication um, with, unfortunately, uh, not a lot of thought into how this communication takes place. How do bits actually work? People, for the most part, I have found, and I do close to a thousand fittings a year, people have no idea how bits work, how we actually communicate. They know the bits on the, on the end of the reins and it's connected to the bridle, but they have no idea how the bit itself functions and how different nuances of each bit correlates into different impacts. So um, one of the things that I think Meta alluded to was the education of, hey, this is how these things work. And I think people are really hungry for the knowledge on how to better their communication. Most people really love their horses. And totally. they love their horses and they want to do what's right. I think mo most people want to do what's right. They want to do what, and they want to, they put their, their passion into their horses. And so they want to have this, this uh, opportunity to have this free communication, which sometimes is blocked because the horse is in this false frame and being very stoic going around, but the, there's no communication there. And um, I don't know, Meta. Do you do you agree that you've been at this even longer than me? Well, that that's for sure. A lot of what you see, for sure. Um, but I think that one of the important things to this is that you know the, the the there's one of the real things that Florence brought up is you know people don't really know. And when you start, I know that when I started and I started to teach just some things that were really basic. Listen, I didn't know when I started. I thought I knew something. And then I, they started to teach me something. I was like, oh, my God, there's so much to learn. And so then I just wanted to learn more and more about how each bit work, how they function. And then and I could see that every double combination I had and I had the best double bits right at and fit properly supposedly and like that and every single bit was too big not the right combination for my horses but I didn't know any, know any better I was doing the best that I could at that time and <clears throat> but when we go out and see people in the field and it doesn't matter if it's backyard riders actually they're often the most appreciative but and you teach them a little and show them how 
God, there really is a difference in an egg butt snaffle versus this egg butt snaffle versus, versus that one versus a turtle egg butt. And they see the difference in their horse's mouth and that they stop fussing and they're happier and they're listening more. You see them light up as much as their horses do. And, and they want to do better for their horses. And I think that is, you know, we get a combination of those that just really want to do better for their horses or they're struggling with different problems as far as carriage or fussing or tongues or, or just not listening to the communication or their trainers are telling them to do it a certain way and they know it's not quite right. And then they'll call Florence and Florence will come out and she'll do her magic. And oh my God, they're like her horse, you know, it's a new horse. They've got a new combination and the horse wants to perform. And it's really that we figured out how to make them more comfortable. And so the, I want to talk a little bit about um, the difference between control, communication and confidence. Because I think, I, th I think we don't talk about these terms as having any type of difference. Like if you think about them, you know, control, communication, and confidence, those are very different. If you think about a relationship that you have with another human being, if you're in a relationship that is built on control, it's not as, your connection is not as, as powerful or as um, fulfilling, or maybe even as kind. But if you have one that's based on communication, sometimes the communication can be great, and sometimes the communication can be not great. But I think the bottom line for the person who is really struggling with how to get into communication with their horse is that it hits them in their confidence. And when you can't control your horse, when you can't communicate with your horse, you lose confidence, regardless of, of level. You know, I mean, I've worked with all different levels and I've had, you know, people at the Olympic level call me with a confidence issue having trouble connecting with their horse. So, so the first thing is, is it doesn't matter what level you ride, you are, you are, you are, you know, you can fall prey to these communication connection issues, which will then result in your confidence. But, but I'm wondering how, um, maybe you could start with control meta and talk a little bit about the way that, that you see control and communication being impacted, you know, not just by the bit, but then what the bit creates in the horse. So, um, you know, when we put a bit in the horse's mouth, we're looking for it really to be an extension of our arms. So really as a tool for communication. Now, there are times when we need, we need more than just, like if they don't understand the language, you know, that starts more with a, a feel and direction. And there is some more control to it and, and, and kind of placing the horse where they need to be. And there are times when we use bits that for a control component, you know, you go out on a cross country course on a, on a horse that's going to get very strong. If you lose your control, well, now you lose the confidence both for the horse and the rider. And whether that's cross country jumping or even in dressage, you, you've got to have a certain component of that to create a language, a confidence, a communication with your horse. Um, it's when these balances get way out of balance that we get in trouble. 
Um, because then we lose our, like if we give for too much control, often we lose the horse's confidence in us. And when they, when we're doing it out of control and you end up in a situation where you actually have a horse that maybe is more of afraid of what you're going to do with your hands or your bit, and, and you affect that relationship to the point where they don't really want to listen to the communication, they're just really acting out of fear, then you, it's hard to further your education with that animal. Whether, again, it doesn't matter if you're over fences or on the flat. Um, you know, those are the, that's kind of how I look at it when I'm looking at horses or training horses myself is where am I in that relationship? I've got to have enough control that they can listen. And then it really has, then really what I want to get is to the point where it's all about communication and relationship and, and they're doing it that I don't have to use a bit for control per se. Does that help? Yeah. It sounds like a very, um, dynamic and, and non-static line that you kind of straddle like as you grow and the horse grows and 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 that that you constantly have to stay aware of that well if you don't have control you don't have any of the other things it's that balance of control communication versus control dictatorship right yeah. do you agree florence yes yes right I mean, I think that's what we see sometimes. And I think that when what happens is when, when a rider's having trouble, whether it's because they're the horse doesn't have enough education, they're maybe they don't have enough education, um, there's a mismatch there and they're having some control issues and they go to a stronger bit because they're afraid, because they can't manage, that's when you get into this, you know, snowball effect where, well, where do you go from there? You can only go to a bigger, harsher bit if you have already gone to that, if you don't have the education behind you or a trainer that can help you get to a point where you can regain some of that confidence with your horse so that you can get to the education part and the communication part. You also see it the other way, those that, that start to develop a better line because they have more tools in their toolbox or better tools in their toolbox, or they realize they've gotten the help. And sometimes this is where Florence and I come in. They're struggling and they're struggling with control and they don't know why and they don't know what to do. And they think they want a bigger, badder bit. And then Florence or I show up and say, oh my God, well, they're not comfortable in what they have. And you put something that's milder, softer, more inviting, and now they can listen to the communication that you're giving them through their bit instead of worrying about what's going to happen at the end of those reins if they move their head or they lose their balance or they get a little too strong. I think that is what I see. I see that a lot, and I'm sure that Florence sees that a lot as well. So, Florence, I'm sure that you see it all the time when you go to these facilities and do bit fitting clinics where there's, they think they need more control and really what they need is a, is something different in the horse's mouth. That's going to be more comfortable. That gives them more confidence and, um, and how surprised some of those riders are when you go from whatever, whatever they're in to something mild and, and it works brilliantly because there's like a sense of relief in the horse. So um, wait, it, it, 
so could a bigger, stronger bit that makes the horse more uncomfortable, this is going to sound really stupid, make them more reactive and less controllable? Absolutely. 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 Okay. I Absolutely. just, I just had a BFO, right? A blinding flash of the obvious. Yes. Actually, just recently, I had a conversation. Someone called me to help them with a, a bit issue. And the woman said one of the most interesting things that I had ever heard. She said, well, I have a young horse and I have a starter bit now, but I'm looking for something when we get more trained to, to, to be more harsh. And I was like, whoa. So one of the things that, that I'm always trying to, to educate about is sometimes less is more. It's like when I whisper, you've got to lean in and really listen to me. You've got to pay attention to what I'm saying. If I shout at you, you're going to say, oh, my God, please stop. And horses are much the same way. Sometimes when we use a harsh bit, we actually trigger the behavior which makes us afraid. The taking off, the throwing the head, the tongue coming out, the grinding, the body all over the place. That's cause the horse is trying to get away from whatever it is that we've put in there. They don't, they we're not whispering. They're no longer listening. And so one of the things I have found most interesting, I do, I do a lot of virtual fittings because I can't be everywhere at any one time. And so I say, I want you to, I, so certain photos, I, I have them. I want you to send me a photo of the bridle and the bit that you're riding in. And then I want you to send me video, walk, trot, canter, both directions in that bit. And I watch, and I watch, and I watch, and I watch, and I watch what the horse is trying to do, how that horse is reacting to that bit. And then I have a conversation with the rider and I say, okay, this is what I see. You know, I see that horse is trying to snatch the reins out of your hand or that horse is throwing their head all over the place. And sometimes it's not an actual balance issue with the horse. The horse is so uncomfortable that they, they are actually trying to get away from those instances when they have to, when the, when the bit is actually making contact. And so I'll send them some bits to try. And I say, send me video with this. And it is unusual when I get an instance when what we have chosen to work with doesn't radically change the outcome of how that horse is going. And you see, you, I can hear it because usually it's a trainer videoing or somebody's loved one videoing, and they're going, well, look at that. He's not jumping <laughs> on the bed. He's not from flinging his head all around. And, and I, I am, you know, and I'll call and I'll say, well, you know, I watched him go around. He's on the vertical. He's quiet. He's not trying to rip the reins out of your hand. And that person is now so much more confident because they're whispering. The horse is now able to listen. So that that happens all the time when we choose the right bit. And then a lot of times I'll say, well, what brought you to choose this bit? And it's like, well, I just had that for some other horse and it could be totally inappropriate or it worked on my girlfriend's horse or one of my favorites. Um, 
well, it, it, they came with that. Oh, yeah. It wow. doesn't mean that that's what they went in or that's what they should go in now with that rider horse combination because everybody's ability to feel, to, to react, to interact differs. And so you have to have the right, the right phone in order to have a good conversation. And that's what the bit is. The bit is the phone. That's amazing. Well, the, the, one of the, the big things that I think both Florence and I have seen over the years, and I think over the years and seeing lots and lots of different horses and combinations and horse personalities and rider abilities and like that, you what you start to figure out is what does the horse need? And with the rider, what does the horse need to feel the most comfortable? Sometimes you're getting the best fit possible because of the rider's maybe lack of tools. So you're finding whatever's going to be the most comfortable in this situation so that it's like it's it's in this situation so that you can have the best relationship for the two Absolutely. for that that partnership possible based on skill level of the two or personality of the two. And then you also have to take into consideration maybe it's three if you're talking about the trainer too and if you know anything about what goes on there. So you really look at all these things to figure out what's the best tools for these people and these horses to have the best relationship. A common question I'll ask is who's riding this horse? <laughs> is it the trainer riding the horse or is it the owner rider riding the horse? Because I will bit differently for those different combinations. You have to. You because should. Yeah, absolutely. You have, yeah. you have to, just as Meta uh, said, because their balance is different, their uh, feel is different, their reaction time is different. Just their experience in the saddle has given them more tools and to be able to be more receptive to certain nuances of what the horse is doing. So that bit is very much, I mean, you know, I, I don't need to have uh, the iPhone 12 or 13, whatever it is now. I could probably use iPhone 8 and, and be pretty confident in knowing that I could use that tool. And then, you know, uh, uh, my daughter may be very, very much uh, very tech savvy and use iPhone 13 and be able to use all the cool things with that. It's the same thing with a bit. We will bit so that we enable that horse rider pair to have the best opportunity to communicate. Wow, that's, that, that's awesome. <laughs> and it's, so there's a couple of questions that are coming up for me. One thing that I, that I don't wanna forget to do is, is, a, is a couple of myth busters, because I know that, that that's a big deal. But I also don't wanna forget to talk about, um, you know, so, and I hear this from my perspective with the people that I'm trying to help in my way, that sometimes an owner, a rider, an unconfident rider owner will have a certain feeling from their horse that the trainer doesn't have, right? So they're, they have a different connection. The trainer may ride the horse better, may be able to train the horse better, may show the horse better, but they don't have that your mind kind of relationship. And I, and I see that as a struggle, you know, frequently enough that it, that it comes up that 
you know, like I'm wondering how as an educational piece, like how do we empower like someone who's watching this and listening to this, who's like, I know my horse is uncomfortable based on what Florence and Meta are saying right now. I know my horse is uncomfortable in its mouth. I think that a different bit would be helpful. How do they have this conversation with their trainer? Um, or, or if it's the flip side, if it's an, if it's a trainer that needs to have it with an owner, like, how do we, how do we educate and empower people to be able to talk about this so that, so that it opens something up, right? Because I know that the horse world is such a funny world, right? We always say this and we're in the horse world, but the horse world is a funny world. You know, when I was in the swimming world, you know, if there was a new suit or a new goggle or a new lane line that came out, people didn't go, no, 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 no. I never use a new suit. <laughs> they would go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me try it. Could I go faster? Let me try that new suit. There wasn't this weirdness like in the horse world where it's like, no, I've been using, you know, XYZ girth or bit or or bridle or, or saddle or whatever for all these years. So I'm wondering how do we, and you're, I see Florence laughing because you're like, yeah, we are, you know, like you, you, other, other sports don't have the same type of emotional kind of thing that we seem to have in the horse world. So how do you, how can you two, how do you two help the person that, that feels something that needs help communicating this to maybe the person who makes the decisions? If that made, that was a very long way of asking a question. But well, I'll start. Um, okay. I think that the what what we're all fortunate about now is more people are looking for the educational part. There's there's more people looking for more information, and we've been out there long enough teaching about bits and bidding that people it's not a foreign language anymore. So they're they're more open to it, and I think that what I've seen with the with in situations, especially where like an owner really thinks they they need a different bit and the train, you know, they're they're not sure if the trainer is going to be okay. And I always say to them, hey, what if we could, you know, score a couple percentage points higher? Do you mind trying? You know, like it's you kind of ease them into it and let it make have it be their decision, but you kind of coach them in that direction and 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 when it's better everybody wins and the, and the trainers ultimately are happy as well. It's very true. And, and I certainly have run into those uh, situations where an owner will call me on the, on the side and, yeah. and, and it's like, Oh, my trainer doesn't know that I'm calling you. And, you know, we've got to be very quiet about it. And, and I said, well, we, we only have to gain by trying. We're not going to lose. We know where we are. And the, the objective here, our goals are the same. The, mm. the trainer's goal, the rider's goal, my goal, medic's goal, your goal is to make people successful, to make that horse, rider, pair successful. Our goals are all the same. We're on the same team. And if I am one, one avenue, to help, as Meta said, a couple percentage points, you know, um, it, whether it's dressage or a clear round and jumping or more control, better setup cross country, um, all those things to make that rider more confident. That's what we're all there. That trainer is out there every day to help the rider pair become more successful. That's what we're there for. And 
I have found that um, Med is very right. Trainers are less having to be dragged by their feet to try this, try this, try this. They're like, okay, basically prove me wrong or prove me right <laughs> or whatever. Right. And, yeah. you know, we say, okay, if, if I'm not able to make it better, I, 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 I'll say I can't make it better, but I haven't found that yet to be true. So wow. we, you know, we, and then what happens, and I think Meta can attest to this is once you have, scored one victory to make a rider horse pair better the rider more confident it's a more teachable student a more teachable combination that trainer then next thing you know the floodgates open <laughs> and you get you get so many calls and so many people and invitations to come and then people come out of the woodwork because they want everybody wants to be successful no one does this to, to fill the seven oceans with tears. We're all there to be successful. And so we all are on the same team. We all have the same goals. That is so awesome. I think too with that, and I think is from, if you, if you are an owner that thinks that maybe your horse needs a different bit, I think the biggest thing is once you have one of us out is you don't make your trainer wrong in in making a change it's it's when you're making the other teammate your other teammate wrong that that it doesn't feel good for anyone what you want to do is we're, we're all trying to improve like what Florence said so so you know you got to think about it from that perspective I think where where it really goes wrong is when owners then see I told you you were wrong well that's no good for your trainer relationship that's not a good way to come right not a good place to come from um you know that's that's the only part that i'd add to that component if you're, if you're there you you probably have other fish that you're frying in that relationship anyway well, that might be true, <laughs> for, from, true. From, my, from my yeah my ear is going bing, bing, bing. okay so let's do a little bit of myth busting and then i have one uh, i have one more question that i want to ask um ask you to so like what are kind of the top myths that you bust frequently. And Florence, I can see you're busting right to tell us these myths, <laughs> well, right? Um, interesting, Obs observation, field observation. <laughs> um, it is frequent that I will see bits put on upside down. Oh. So the myth is, is that- It doesn't matter. Pe people think just cause the curve is in the right direction that the bit's correct. And that's not correct. Bits have a left and a right, the top and the bottom and the front and the back. And so um, that's a myth. People don't realize that. And that's probably not one that's common, but about 50% of the bridles I encounter, most like likely either the Bredoon for the dressage riders or the snaffle is on upside down. And it so does, would that be sort of like wearing your left shoe on your right foot? Absolutely. Right foot your, okay. Absolutely. The other okay. thing is about 70% of those several hundred bridles that I see each year, the bits are the wrong size. And the analogy I would make is you've got a horse with a very small smile, uh, maybe fat lips, short, fat tongue, maybe has a flat palate and we have a huge bit thickness in his mouth. Well, that'd be like me taking someone's size eight foot 
and asking him to run in a child's sneaker. Mm. That's not very comfortable. The the uh, inverse of that is, you know, I might have uh, a long smile, thin lips, long, thin tongue, very nice domed palate. And we have a 12 millimeter bit in it, a very thin, thin bit in it. That now, that's that'd be like me taking your size. I don't know what size you wear, but your size eight foot asking you to run as fast as you can in a man's size 12 shoe. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not very comfortable. So yeah. having the right size fit, making sure that it's it's stable, it's fit, that it's an appropriate thickness for the size of mouth we're trying to put it in, and that it's the same, the length that it needs to be so that it's steady so that we don't have a lot of slide and a lot of static, I'm going to call it bit static noise. So mm. that again, our communication is good. So we don't, less is more. So we don't have to be so abrupt with our aids to be able to get our communication through. Meta, I'm sure you have other myths that, you, that you've come through. I, I, think the, the, I think the biggest one that comes is a fatter bit is... Uh, a kinder bit and based on everything that you've just spoken about fatter is not always kinder because if it's too fat the horse can't close his mouth properly around that bit and thinner is more harsh and severe well it's not necessarily based on the horse's mouth or who's riding thinner is not necessarily more severe um, um, I think the other thing that we see a lot in dressage is um, and I know when I started, I've had trainers say to me, well, no, you can't use an egg, but they should only go in a loose ring. They should start in a loose ring. And that's the only thing they should ever use. Well, for some horses, that's totally appropriate for a lot of young horses. Um, an egg, butt is a much more stable bit. And they don't, you talked about vibration. They don't hear the vibration in a, in a fixed cheek type of, of, um, of bit. And I think those are like, those are pretty, the top two, three things that, that I have, you know, come across that people just got it backwards. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, but I, they're I, learning. People are starting to hear absolutely. and they're learning. So there's hope. I have one okay. other myth that I, I hear. One again. other myth and then I've got a question for you. Okay. So um, a lot of times I'll pick up the phone and hello, this is Patty Melt. Yes. Hi, how are you doing? Hey, my horse is very sensitive. Well, they're all very sensitive. And my trainer says my bits on the bars. Now it is possible, but not probable because the tongue is always, for the most part, unless somebody has pulled so hard that they've displaced the tongue, the tongue's purpose in a bit is to make room in the mouth. So the tongue is usually always between the bit and the bars. Now, I think people need to understand that perhaps the trainer is saying where the pressure is on this bit, it's on the margins of the tongue that are on top of the bars, and that creates an uncomfortable situation for the horse. But Meta, I, I hope that you would agree with what I said. It is unlikely, unless somebody has really displaced the tongue. Yeah, or the tongue or, the, or the horse is displacing its tongue because yes. it's uncomfortable somehow. Yes, that's when you'll see. It. So yes. yeah, I would uh, I would have agreement with that. 
Yeah. Okay. So Florence, I'm listening to you talk about all these different places you go to and all the different people you encounter and the way that you, you support them in fostering communication versus control. How has this made you a better writer? Wow. Um, I, I believe that I was always told I was a very effective writer but not much of a nuanced writer. And uh, Meta has, has helped me at times. And um, I think understanding how less is more and how finite my communication can be through my bits. I'm not afraid now to, to try bits and to, to start uh, with, uh, and in fact, I just got a new horse and I'm trying to figure out where the buttons are and the level of communication. And all this has made me, I'm going to say, acutely aware of the messages that I am sending through my hands and how to be a softer, kinder, gentler, more effective writer rather than just we're going to do it because I'm you know, I'm going to be successful and we're going to get this. And yeah, we're going to get this, but I may leave him back at the end gate. Um, you know, I may leave him back at A, but now it, it allows me, I think, to raise my game and to be, I'm certainly, you know, I love my horses, but it allows me to be a more empathetic rider so that I, I, I'm always aware of what, what, what is my communication? How my communication? What what am I saying to my horse? And that's what this is. This is done for me. That is awesome. a work in progress, certainly. And you have improved every year. Like every year, you're better. So it's oh, thank you. Know, you. Thank it's you. working. How about you, Meta? I I know. Oh, I remember before, before I answer that. I just thought of something that I thought might be very useful, right? Because we're talking about. Uh, bits and, and getting stronger bits when we need it or, or being afraid and changing bits and and often going stronger when that's not what we need. Well, I think that another important thing from a rider, especially one that's not totally skilled, right, or loves their horse so much they're afraid to touch their mouth, like they might hurt them if they have any contact. Well, Sometimes we put bits in their horse's mouth that they can take a contact so that they can feel like they can connect, feel the horse's mouth. They're not hurting their horse, but they're mm. actually holding their hand instead of them being in limbo, both of them being in limbo, creating that, that gap of, oh my God, something's going to happen because neither one of them is connected, right? They're too afraid to take a feel. I see that, or I've seen plenty of those instances when I've gone to, yes, gone Majestic. to help people. Right. And I've said, okay, let's put this on because you can take a feel. Don't be afraid. You're not going to hurt them. Right. And so now they take a feel and it's like holding your hand and saying, I'm going to take you, whether it's the horse holding the rider's hand or the rider holding the horse's hand. Um, and I think that there is that component to this developing relationship, overcoming fear, that that also is quite important um, for, for riders to realize that they, they're allowed to, they can get a bit that they can take a feel that creates, and that's not a bad thing, that can be a very good thing. That's really powerful and that I had forgotten about that with my horse, Majestic. 
you know, he would get uncomfortable and he'd go behind the bit, you know, and then I'd get this big loop in the reins and and not be able to get it back, you know, get the communication, the contact back with him until, until we switched his bit. And um, I forgot about that. That was years ago. Yeah. One of the things that I've, I've found that if I find a mouthpiece that the horse really likes a particular style of bit that oftentimes that I will just change the design of the bit. I'll use the same mouthpiece, but I will have uh, perhaps a loose ring or an egg butt for dressage. I will do a more jumper style with the same mouthpiece for my stadium phase, for my stadium folks or my, my, my Grand Prix jumpers. Um, and then I will use perhaps same mouthpiece in a different style for cross country because the horse gets on course and gets a little pony going on and they're like, woo, we're going now. And that rider becomes less confident because they feel like, oh, we're all going to die. I just know it. And <laughs> no, you know, prayer is not a strategy, you know, but communication is a strategy. That's awesome. So uh, that... I found with a lot of my event folks, once we get the mouthpiece right, it's just giving them the ability to take a little bit more of a feel yeah. to, in those situations, have a little heightened communication that makes yeah. the ride go even better. Hmm. That's, that's smart. That's really smart. All right, Matt, how has this made you a better rider? How has your education in bidding made you a better rider? I think it's made me feel more than I felt already, like the nuances to how they carry something in their mouth um, and how I can make that noise be the littlest noise going on in my ride. Like if I can take the noise in their mouth and have it not be distracting for them um, and as comfortable as possible, they can listen to me much better to what my seat is asking, um, what my legs are doing and having my hands be hopefully the last thing that they're having to listen to because everything is so quiet. It's a place to come to as we create that connection from back to front. I'm talking about dressage because that's my passion. Um, so I think that it's just made me, well, it's been awesome because I love to tinker and feel and, you know, each step find something new and get it so that I can just ride with basically on two fingers, like have that, that flow of energy. And so with the improvement with what I have in the horse's mouths and being able to play with that more, um, I just feel more and, and get more in tune with what's going on. So I think so just that has just made me better and and more observant. This has been this has been really uh, really amazing. I, I can't believe we're are out of time already. I, I just want to make a couple of comments, and then I have the question that I end every every video cast with that I will ask you both. But I think one of the takeaways that that for sure I have gotten from this that I don't think I was expecting was um, that, you know, I'm always talking about confidence as a byproduct, right? We, 
you know, sort of our cultural relationship to confidence is that we're supposed to have confidence going into an event. And I always talk about it as a byproduct and that if you don't have it going into an event, it doesn't mean it's a game, you know, game over for that event. But really, it's even much more profoundly obvious here, whereas if, if we are seeking con- communication versus control, like when we're in when we're seeking control through our tack or to control our horse as opposed to communicating with our horse, I'm not sure that confidence is actually even possible. Like if I find I, I, I muscle you into whatever it is I'm trying to accomplish, I'm not sure I'm going to feel as good about it as if we're finding a way to communicate about this and perform this way together. And, and I really hear that mission from both of you, that this is about creating a more comfortable horse, making the horse more confident and more communicative and more partnered with the rider, which ultimately leads to that level of performance. And I find that like beautiful. I just love that. I love that that is available, that it is out there, that it is possible that two of the people I love the most are doing it. I mean, that's just a bonus, but um, I think that that's really, it really, you know, we look for all these ways to fabricate confidence and, and I've not really connected to the way we try to control our horses. Cause again, as a sports psychologist, I have a very different way of working with, with riders but the, this has given me some really, really cool, incredible insight. I hope it has done the same for everyone watching and listening to this. So I, I thank you for pouring your hearts out on this. My final question, and you could answer it in probably a dozen ways, but if you could just think of one way to answer this, what is it that you want people to know? Meta, are you you got it? About what? <laughs> <laughs> One answer. I know that there's hundreds, but what is it that you want people to know? There's always hope of it getting better. Like there's always a way to find a better way with your horse, a better way to communicate, a better way to listen. It's always there. You just have to listen to them and open up and be willing to to try a couple of things. And if you're coming from the right place, it's you can it can get better. It can get it can get more fun. Mm. Awesome, Florence. What do you want people to know? Much the same as as Meta communicated that. Um, I don't believe for the most part horses come out with a with a negative agenda. I think they come out every day very hopeful that just like we come out very hopeful every day that it's going to be better today than it was last night when we got off. And I think they come out the same way. Well, maybe today's the day. And so there are people out there like Meta, like you, like myself, who really want people to be able to experience the the euphoria from 
finally recognizing, realizing that, hey, it was a little bit better today. It, he, he wasn't throwing himself all around. I felt like I'm finally getting somewhere. I'm finally getting through. It may be two or three steps today. Tomorrow, it may be four or five steps, but then it builds and builds and builds. So, you know, um, I, I just think that to know that there are people out there who will support you and, and want you to succeed. And, you know, all you have to do is reach out and ask. All right. So the, that's beautiful. So how do they reach out and ask you? How do people find you, Florence? Um, well, uh, the, my part uh, of, of what I do uh, with the, the bit uh, that is called Try My Bits, trymybits.com is the website. Um, certainly people can email me at my first name, which is Florence at sign trymybits.com. And, um, you know, I'm on, we have a Facebook page, which is try my bits. And, um, certainly I, I try to respond. It's a seven day a week passion with me. <laughs> so I try to get back as, as quickly as I can and, uh, call folks. Um, it's important that people give me their name. So a lot of times people launch right into what they want to tell me, and I don't know who I'm talking to. So <laughs> your name, give me a phone number. Again, it's Florence at TryMyBits.com um, or the TryMyBits.com website or the Facebook page. Thank awesome. you for that opportunity. Yeah. Well, listen, the, the, I have a feeling people are going to want to be calling you. <laughs> I hope so. I love what I do. So I feel very lucky. Yeah, that's awesome. Meta, how about you? How do people find you and Noya Shola? Well, it's, um, you can go to nsbitsusa.com is our website or mlarson at nsbitsusa.com. And, um, and there's also a Noya Shula USA Facebook page. Um, we're pretty easy to find. Sounds like seven it. days a week. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, and we and we we really want we want this to be a better world for both horses and riders. Like we want to create in any way that we can help create something that's better for for them. That's that's our mission. Well, that is beautiful, and I don't think I don't think that I could end it in any better way than that. So. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has thank been, you. it's been fascinating and interesting for me. I've, I feel like I've learned something. I, I hope everybody ha feels the same way. Um, and just thanks again for sharing yourselves, not only with us, but with all the horses that you come in contact with. We're the lucky ones. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thank you, you very much. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. Awesome. Well, I just wanted to say thank you again for tuning in and thank you again to Meta and Florence for this powerful conversation about fear and control and can we find more confidence from a bigger, stronger, more controlling bit. And I think you can kind of guess by the way I asked that question that, that we discovered that it was a no, that really what we look for in a bigger, stronger, harsher bit is more control. But as a sports psychologist, my question would be, does that really leave you with more confidence? And I'm asking that question in a weird way because my answer would be no. When we're looking for control, 
as opposed to increasing our skill set, upping our capacity with regards to how we communicate with our horses. That's where our confidence comes from, right? So confidence comes from, it's a byproduct of a successful event. And if we've used something bigger and harsher to create control, does that create success? Whereas if we look for greater communication, increasing our skill set, then we're up in our game and communication and we're always going to feel confident from that. The other thing that, that I thought was really amazing was the way that they talked, both of them talked about when you increase comfort in a horse, you immediately have a more confident, more rideable horse. So maybe we're going the wrong way. Maybe the bigger bit makes a less rideable horse. Maybe if we had a, a kinder, I don't know if kinder is the right word, but a better fitting, more comfortable bit where we still have got to have some kind of control, but we had something that created greater communication, greater comfort for our horse. We'd have a more rideable, confident horse, which would create a better ride. And then wouldn't that make us a better rider? I don't know. I love to ask questions. I love that what we came up with were lots of questions. I hope that you're leaving this episode wondering, okay, how can I be a better rider? How can I communicate better with my horse, even if that's listening to your horse better? Because all of those things are going to increase your communication, increase your connection with your horse, which will undoubtedly lead to greater confidence, which is what we're all after, right? And you didn't tune into this episode because you felt overly confident and didn't need to learn anything. So again, thanks, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you joining the conversation and the community. I know that you wouldn't be here if you didn't want to get better and improve and grow. So thanks for doing that. Keep at it. Keep up the good work and know that I'm rooting for you. I'm Dr. Jenny, and you can always find me at www.drjenny.com.